0: Talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, force in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Roads 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And you can go online to SunburyMotors.com. Check out uh, Ford, Lincoln, Mer- Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, Kia. Great pre-owned inventory. All at SunburyMotors.com. You can really go through the process of buying from the comfort of your own living room. Great to have you with us on the show today. Neil Kulong will join us today. Um... Uh, Matt Leon today as well. Of course, Matt Catrillo's here. So Matt, what's the big news of the day?
2: Actually, it's one of our more quiet days uh, that we've had so far. We have the normal daily update today from the Department of Health. Uh, Southern Columbia is actually going to have their graduation video airing tonight. Um, so, we have the info about that at wkok.com. Geisinger is starting to also close and consolidate COVID 19 treatment areas. So, nothing totally earth chattering today, but a couple of some newsworthy items to pass along.
0: No new cases here in Center County.
2: We just had four in Northumberland good. County, and that was it for our area here.
0: Yeah, no new cases here in Center County. So, great news there and hopefully we can continue this trend which is happening uh, obviously we did open the show um, talking about the situation across the country we'll see how it plays out tonight uh, more and more cur- curfews across the country so we'll see how it plays out tonight alright um The uh, numerous uh, college football coaches and players have spoken out publicly in the wake of George Floyd's murder as protests continue across the country Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh joined others in marching against uh, systemic brutality against the black community Harbaugh along with Wolverine football players and basketball forward Isaiah Livers part of a peaceful walk in Ann Arbor today as a display of solidarity uh, it was organized by former Michigan football walk-on uh, Mahmoud Issa, Ann Arbor Police Chief Michael Cox, Mayor Christopher Taylor, and uh, Sheriff Jerry Clayton were among those that participated. So, you know, there was a show of unity in Ann Arbor. There's other sports news to talk about. And Wes Unsell, by the way, passed away at the age of 74. What a tremendous player he was. Tremendous player he was. All right. So Roger is going to join us now. Roger, welcome. Great to have you with us.
3: Well, that's a great segue because I, I need a little therapy today because I became a sports fan in the 70s. And today, when I tell people, you know, they say, "Who are your favorite teams?" I say the Phillies. They understand that. And then I say the Redskins and the Wizards, and they don't understand that because most people <laughs> they, when they hear the Redskins, like Daniel Steiner's Redskins, really? Yeah, All right, yeah. And, and and the Wizards with the the teal green uniform, okay. And I came, you know, my I learned to love sports in the 1970s, and in the earlier 1970s. You know, on the weekend, you got pretty much, you know, one game in the NBA. You got one game. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a ritual. You went to church on a Sunday. You had family dinner on a Sunday. And then when you could break free from that and find your way to the probably one TV set in the house, there was the NBA on CBS. Mm -hmm. And in the early to mid-70s, the Sixers really weren't very good yet. Um, Mm -hmm. It was pre-Julia Serving. You know George McGinnis and Doug Collins were on their way, but they weren't there yet. It was the nine-win seasons, that type of thing, in the early seventies.
0: <laughs> That's not. And good there news. were
3: the Wash. And there were the Washington Bullets.
0: That's right. And they there were the, they were the their, Baltimore Bullets. The Baltimore Bullets. Yeah. For one season, the Capitol Bullets, and then the Washington
3: yep. Bullets. And there they were with their red, white, and blue uniforms in the Capitol Center at one o'clock with the NBA on CBS, Brent Musburger, and. You know or Gus Johnson or something like that, or Hot Rod Hunley, and, uh, and there were the bullets, and there was Big Wes, and Phil Chenier, and Elvin Hayes, and Jimmy Jones, and Nick Weatherspoon, mm-hmm. and you know Len Truck Robinson, and so on and so forth. I can do, and have no googling required for this. And you know, to this day, when you see a great outlet pass, people still say, well, It's <laughs> like Wes Unseld. Or you yeah. see a screen. I mean, that just like West the Wall, West he could stand under one basket and throw it from one end of the court to the other. Um, you know, and he just he did all the he, he didn't do anything flashy. I think in watching him play for 13 years, I, I saw him dunk maybe twice, and um, he didn't do anything. There was no there's no flash or flare about him. He would just go out and score 14 points and. Grab 18 rebounds and the Bullets would usually win. And, you know, when I see young players today that do the dirty work and the things that go unnoticed and are just committed to being so fundamentally good, I, you know, I'll tell them, you know, go back and watch some film from Wes Unsell because that's who you remind me of. So it's a, you know, it's a, for, for people of my age and that, that uh, grew up in that odd, Time when the Sixers, you know, because if if I'd have been a little younger and come around when when Irving were going really well at the Spectrum, I, I, yeah, maybe I wouldn't be a Bullets fan. But the Sixers weren't very good, and they weren't on TV or TV very much. And it was usually the Bullets and somebody. And the Bullets made the four championships in the seventies. And if they'd have won more than just one of them, I think history would remember them quite differently. Yeah. But uh, and and probably, I mean, Wes Wes is remembered well. He's one of the fifty greatest players when they did that. Um, but, you know, I think if, if they'd have won three out of four, you know, I think history would remember him even a little more than it does. So, I need a little therapy today. I figured you were just the guy to come to.
0: He is... when he, First of all, I remember him at Louisville. And you're like, holy mm-hmm. mackerel, this guy can play. When he went to the Bullets, he then, and this was in Baltimore, he did something... Uh, outside of Will Chamberlain, virtually unheard of. He was the MVP and the rookie of the year in the same year. Yep. So I think that the greatest statement you can make about Wes Unseld, who just outworked everybody, I mean, you know, because people don't realize he played center. Elgin mm-hmm. Hayes was the forward. Wes yep. Unseld was the center at 6 7.
3: And was out the there out.
0: <laughs> he was out there out working taller players all the time. And you and you know and you know Roger, yeah. his knees weren't that great. Yeah, I think it tells you everything about Wes Unsell, the player, that when the Bullets won, they beat Seattle in '78. He was the playoff MVP. He was the Finals MVP, and averaged less than ten points a game. Because he was so good as a defender I want to say This would have been like the Jack Sigma Mm -hmm. Sixers Sonics going up against them
3: And Paul Silas
0: Paul Silas, right, Mm -hmm. who's one of the Great rebounders ever Uh, So You've got a guy like that Who averages less than 10 points a game, but he's the Finals MVP Because his passing Ability was second to none his outlet mm-hmm. passing ability nobody's ever been able to surpass. Nobody today throws an outlet pass like Wes Unsell did and nobody rebounds like that guy rebounded. He made yeah. all the big plays and didn't average 20 points a game to do it. He was the best yeah. player on the floor and and averaged in 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 the playoffs, he averaged less than 9 uh less than 10 points a game when they won it. And it tells you everything that he was so good at everything else. Mm-hmm. And this is what this guy was not a bad shooter. He, he hit fifty three percent of his shots. Yeah, but yeah. he picked his always spot. Always at the right
3: place, always at the right place, right time, always where the ball was. Um, fit, really yeah. good, fit, it,
0: really good ten to fifteen foot jumper. People don't realize that. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I uh, absolutely. But it's it, this is the kind of guy where today in today's game he would be absolutely critical. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. LeBron James waltzes to the NBA championship with Wes Unseld at his side instead of a couple other people because he needed yep. a team-oriented guy yep. that did that intelligently did the dirty work.
3: Yeah, and he let Elvin Hayes be Elvin Hayes and Bobby yes. Dandridge be Bobby Dandridge.
0: Yeah. And then yeah. Phil Chenier, who I've, I've met a couple times. Yeah. Was just a dynamic outside shooter for that team. Because to be honest with you, the Seattle team that they beat, as you know, is Dennis yeah. Johnson, Johnny Johnson, Sigma, you know, Marvin Webster uh, was on that Freddie team. Brown. Downtown Freddie yeah. Brown, the whole deal. They were actually the favorite in the final. Yeah, in Washington. Yep. the
3: bullets only. Yeah, the bullets only won forty four games that year. It was probably the least of all their. They had a great team that that got swept by the Warriors. Still, maybe the biggest upset in NBA finals history. They. They yeah. were better the next year. Like they came back and played Seattle the following year and lost to Seattle. The, the Bullets were better yeah. the next year during the regular season, at least. And um, and also the Bullets lost to the Bucks earlier in the seventies to Lew Alcindor. So, but I did need a little therapy today, and if you you were just the guy to Oof. to uh, share that
0: with. What a great great player he was. Boy, I was, and then you know what? He wasn't a bad coach either.
3: No, and he didn't have a lot to work with. He didn't have um, a lot to
0: work with, but I thought he was a really good coach. I mean, he, he knew yep. he, he had a good feel for the game.
3: Yeah, and his son is today. His son is highly regarded. Uh,
0: his son's with the Nuggets organization, I believe. He's out with Calvin Booth. Yep. Yep. yep.
3: yep. I'll let you and Matt get back to it, but I just wanted to share.
0: No, I'm glad you did, because I wanted to talk a lot about what's on sale today anyway.
3: Okay. I uh, see Hi, Steve.
0: What? Thanks, Roger. One of the all-time greats. He really was. And it's this is something where uh, Roger and I can relate to it because we saw him play. Uh, I always feel it's incumbent upon somebody in my spot to do that when something like this happens. People who didn't see him play. Because, I mean, you know, when we when you're talking about Wes Unsell playing in the 70s, for goodness sakes. You know, they won that title forty-two years ago. I mean, you got to be really fifty years of age to remember when they won that title. Uh, and I'm sensing Matt that you're not fifty years of age. So, I mean, so.
2: no, I'm about half of that. Yeah. Not to put a damper on you, or Roger, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but this is uh, but you know what? But that's why I've always said people have asked about, hey, you know. Yeah, I kid around about age, you know, and I just kid around about it. But, see, I can, I'm can. i from an era that can talk about LeBron James and I can talk about Wes Unseld. I'm from an era in my life where I can talk about Mike Trout, I can talk about Willie Mays. Yeah, I can talk about Bobby Orr, I can talk about Sidney Crosby. Because you know, yeah, That's a wide range. I can talk about Patrick Mahomes, I can talk about Johnny
2: Unitas. And you know what? That's something that I actually envy. You may not hear that from a lot of people my age. I mean, I'm glad I'm my age, you know, and I'm I'm oh, Obviously, I'll, I'll, I love what I'm the LeBron era and so on and so forth, Mike Trout. But just things like seeing the last dance, for instance, really just gave me another appreciation of the sports history. Now, I'm a history buff myself. I love history altogether, especially American history, but and sports history is even better. And Every time I see some of these players, whether I go to the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio for the pro football, or I see Last Dance or whatever, watch stuff on ESPN Classic, I mean, that's how I got into it, too. That's how I learned. And sometimes you just it, it was fun for the Last Dance for me to see this kind of real live and see truly how good someone like Jordan was and how good the Bulls were back then, and those types of things.
0: Well, see, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, last night, NBC Sportsnet aired Super Bowl 13. And of course, Jack played in that game. So I said, "Hey, you're pretty good." <laughs> you know, and they beat the Cowboys. It was, you know, and I, I remember most of the game, so it wasn't any big surprise. But for example, I think you know that. You know, I've met Mike Wagner and talked with Mike and so forth. Yes, Mike Wagner is one of those guys that was a terrific safety teams today would win with Mike Wagner now in the NFL you only get five Hall of Famer selections a year you're not going to make it Um, so I mean you have to have the ability to look back at some guys who are really special players Wes Unsell was a really special player and I remember him playing for Baltimore and then they moved and they became the Capital Bullets for, I think, for a year. And then they were the Washington Bolts. Now they're the Wizards. Because, obviously, the connotation of the nickname Bullets, they felt they had to get away from that. So they're the Wizards now. But he was a great player. Fundamentally sound, defensive, defensively great. I mean, this guy was out there going toe-to-toe with Bob Lanier toe-to-toe with Wilt toe-to-toe with Kareem and he, he he was 6'7 and I think Roger said it best when I said he was 6'7 and Roger said maybe and Roger's probably right he probably wasn't 6'7 he's was probably like 6'5 and a half but he averaged over 14 rebounds a game when he was at Louisville he averaged uh, what 18-19 boards a game remarkable only 74. Only 74. All right, Matt Leon coming up next half hour. Neil Coolong today as well. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And at sunburymotors.com. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And you can go to sunburymotors.com. Great, brand new line of Fords. Great brand-new line of Lincolns, great brand-new line of Kias, great brand-new line of Hyundais, and outstanding pre-owned inventory. You can get the process started, really, from the comfort of your own home at sunburymotors.com. New Kulong cool next half hour. We talked about the passing of the great player, Wes Unseld who, uh, in today's game, he, he'd thrive in any era because he was as fundamentally sound a player, smart, with a tremendous work ethic. He outworked everybody and was the MVP of the 78 Finals and didn't even average 10 points a game. Tells you how good he was at everything. The impact he had in the game without having to score all the time. All right. Uh, Neil Kulong, next half hour. Let's bring in Matt Leon from Philadelphia. Matt, we hope you and yours are safe and sound and appreciate the time again.
1: Yeah, hanging in there. Good to be with you.
0: Oh, there he is. <laughs> hey, Matt,
1: how are you? Doing well. How are you?
0: Good. We're hanging in there. Um... The uh, let's start with this. The Flyers put together a really good regular season, really good. Uh, how do you feel about this playoff format that uh, the NHL has rolled out? You know, not a lot of details, but at least they rolled out something.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I there's no playbook for this, and right. You know, I guess what are they talking? End of July that this would yeah. would start and. If you think about it, and I don't mean to be like you know cold water, but now in the end of July is pretty much about the same as when this all started to now. Right, and we see how much things have changed from then to now. So I, uh, I think uh, anybody that's putting plans in place for anything more than the next twelve hours is is kind of just hoping against hope. But what we what we saw I thought it's interesting I thought it was probably about as fair as you could be given the given the situation uh i, I as good as the flyers were playing and it's a shame that they probably had one of their best seasons in a decade and yeah. it's you know turned upside down in the middle of this i it'll be interesting to see assuming that they were to start playing again if it's almost like a complete reset and what you saw 2 Damn. months ago doesn't matter now like because so much of it is about rhythm, about consistency, stuff like that, and uh, that's all out the window. And uh, you're also going to have teams that are going to have guys that you thought were out for the season and suddenly would be able to play, and you're going to have guys that you assume have been staying in shape but you don't know until you see it. And it's it's going to be interesting. I just – I'm – on uh, my arrow kind of overall on the return of sports is – I I don't know what it's going to look like cuz I just think there are so many variables that we can't you you don't know and I think all these plans that leagues are putting forward and I understand they have to do it is kind of based on the idea that everything goes okay and there are so many potential stumbling blocks uh, it's really going to be quite a road to navigate to get back to get back to to competition I think
0: well, part of that that's at least giving us uh, an interesting roadmap of attempting to get back to competition is baseball. <laughs> uh, yeah. And whether they play or not, you know, based on circumstances. So let's get to let, – let's take it from the position of maybe they can play. Some owners are saying, you know what, maybe we ought to just scrap it. Does I don't like where the negotiations are going. Right. How bad a look would that be for Major League Baseball if competition returned for other sports and they bagged it?
1: Oh, I think it would be terrible because, I mean, you I'm a baseball guy, but baseball's been trending the wrong way for 30 years now. And you're going to throw a season away on labor strife in the middle of a pandemic, uh, you know, you remember what it was like coming back in 95 After 90, the strike And that cost them 94 and part of the early part of 95 It was bad yep. And I think it would be that And baseball as a sport Was in a stronger place Then yes. than it was now As far as its imprint On the national consciousness uh, So I That could be catastrophic On many levels uh, That I don't Know that specifically on the owner' side I don't know if they are having honest discussions with themselves about what what that could mean. Um, I, I don't know that that could happen I, I can't imagine they could walk off that plank but it's June 1st yeah. I mean and you're gonna need at least what in a if they were to come to an agreement today, you would need at least three weeks of yeah. spring of training to get the pitchers up, and that's assuming all your health things you put in place, all the protocols, you know. And so, I I don't know, I, I don't know how it comes together, but if it's if it is a a labor management argument that leads the way to its demise, that's going to be really bad.
0: The 1981 strike lasted 59 days. They gave the players about a week to get back in and get going again. And shockingly, pitching dominated. I couldn't believe it uh, <laughs> when it happened because nobody, nobody had their swing. Yeah. Uh, but in a, So they would probably need three weeks to get going with all this. But it's, it's the look of it.
1: Oh it looks terrible, and some of the tone deaf comments that come out, and it's uh, it's truly amazing. But you know, I, I just can't keep coming back to you know all these things have to come in place, and then like what happens right. if two guys on the team test positive? Right. What's and you're just back to square one. I just I don't know the answer to that. I'm very glad I'm working right now where I don't have to plan stuff far ahead because. I just have to worry about the next day in front of me because I can't imagine trying to and then get. We talk about college sports. I don't know what. I don't know. Like it's. There are so many questions. Just so many
0: questions. Well, no, no. There are there are there are a lot of questions that nobody has real answers to right now. But then again, I as I pointed out in this show, because I have never really jumped ahead. I I really have kind of stayed for the most part in the moment. And I've, yeah. tried, I've tried to point out to people, okay, so let's just do this by the the particular date. What was your mindset on April 1st? What was your mindset on May 1st? Mm-hmm. All right, now what's your mindset on June 1st? The mindset on June 1st is different than what it was on April 1st. Now let's see what it is on July 1st. Right. And I think that's the that's the approach I've tried to take, Matt, along the way as to Trying to think about this In other words Everything has to be done A step at a time And we're only in the June 1st step right now
1: Oh absolutely I mean we're talking about Something that needs 1,264 Things to happen And we're on six Yeah So uh, It's just why I guess my, my Underlying point is Overall With all the leagues the, I kind of Find it hard to Get Get that dug in one way or another that it's going to happen or it's not going to happen uh, until you get more information but uh, it's going to be tough Uh, it's really going to be tough
0: how important is it for us in hearing your perspective how much is that do you think shaped by the fact that you live in southern New Jersey, you work in Philadelphia, two areas that have been very hard hit by this, how much does that shape your thought process on this
1: you know what? It's that. But you know what it also is? Is I've done, in the lack of sports, I've been doing a lot of podcasts on yes. kind of the ripple effects of the coronavirus. Right. And when you start to talk in other walks of life, you start to kind of line the pieces of things up. And I know specifically with college sports, I mean, we talk, and I say this from someone who has traveled with the college team. Yeah. So, like, let's talk college football. If you're going to a game, does everybody now get their own room because you don't want multiple people spending that much time in close quarters? And if you say yes, well, then your your hotel will, bill has just doubled, like riding the bus. Does everybody need a seat between them on the bus? If you say yes, so now you need seven buses instead of three?
2: I think,
0: well, and actually, you know, well, that's a good point. But what's interesting, though, is that many of these guys, for let's take college football, live in apartments with each other.
1: Right. All right. But does that continue? All
0: right. Um, well, if they're still doing it, then it does start to solve some of that if that's allowed to continue. See, that's all—all all, all part of these steps. Because you make really good points. You know, how many players can you travel? How do you travel them? You know, what support staff? Right. You know, there's a lot of questions you have to ask that need to be worked out. If, if there's a group of four players, by the way, that happen to be rooming together in an apartment, and by the way, have, may have still been doing it during this because they didn't leave town. Right. Uh, well, that almost falls into the, quote, family category. Right. You know, so I mean, and, and, and we don't, you know, because like, your point's a really good one.
1: And I think also, if you're okay with that and, oh, you know, you're going to do that and everybody's going to get their own room, okay, you're doing this in an atmosphere where I don't know what the situation of any individual college is. But I guarantee you they're going to be bringing in less money this year than they were last year. No doubt. So you're going to have exploding budgets on one end with less – it's just tough. And and this is all – are schools going to be in person? Are they going to be online? Can you justify having an athlete – Every question leads to four more questions, right. and that's what i that's why I look at this, and I don't want to say cynically' cause, but I just it is just such a minefield of of so many things. How many parents are going to feel comfortable sending their kids to to school somewhere far away from the fall I don't know, but it's tough, and you know when you put this all together, it just makes a really tall mountain you got to climb mm-hmm. to to get back to. Uh, a condition where you know this type of uh, you can have sports on, on any level, and uh, I think the college level is is kind of mul- the the, right. the problems or not the problems, but the hurdles are multiplied because you're talking about student athletes and there's so many other things uh, involved. But even for the pro thing, I, it's it's just going to be tough because I think along every path, it doesn't take much to knock you back to square one. I guess is that's kind of right. my overarching point. That's why. And, uh, I,
0: uh, that's why I want to take a long, hard look at what's going to happen in Germany and Italy uh, mm-hmm. as they're coming back right now. If they're able to quote safely negotiate it, because they're starting first, right, right. I think it gives you more confidence of the possibility of starting safely here.
1: Oh, I I, I agree with that, and you know, you look at the the Korean baseball yeah. league. They've been able to, you know, there there are things out there, but it's going to be tough, and I don't know what it's going to look like. And I think I'm probably more skeptical about college sports than I am pro sports because, like I said, I think there are things built into college sports that pro sports don't have to maybe deal with on the same level and stuff like that. But uh, it's going to be – you know it's going to be something to watch. I I true I would be happy to be wrong on this and have everything come back without a hitch, but it's it's there's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of hurdles.
0: Well, it's June 1st. So let's see. Yeah, what, no, and let's, that, uh, let's see how we feel July 1st. I mean, and you yeah. and I are in complete agreement about that. It's just one step at a time.
1: Yeah, and I I I have a lot of sympathy for college presidents athletic directors oh, yeah. because how I you're you're facing a a constantly changing landscape of of variables and to try to make decisions that have to kind of be in, at least in some point set in stone when you're dealing with that it is difficult it is incredibly difficult and you're never going to make everyone happy and it's just a tough place to be in and, and uh will, i guess we'll see how it plays out
0: My friend, thank you so much. appreciate your time and your perspective very much.
1: Thank you very much. Talk to you later.
0: Matt Leon in Philadelphia. One quick note about uh, the travel arrangements and rooming together. Remember, the players, once you get to play games, will have gone through how many practices, how many workouts, how many tests, how many temperature checks, and things like that. So that becomes less of a concern because you're not just randomly putting people together. They would have been around each other in the locker room every day for weeks and weeks. So it does become less of a concern. All right. Take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070, WKOK. <laughs> Today is, what, primary election day. Did you uh, do any research in finding out whether there was a recall in Ward 4? (laughs)
2: Um, Once again, can't confirm or deny. I haven't been able to crack that.
0: I'm just thinking of the people. I'm a man of the... I'm just thinking of the people there.
2: I'm sure they appreciate the thoughts.
0: I mean, they've been led astray, man. All right. (laughs) By the way, speaking of the suit, (laughs) IndyCar returns Saturday. And I guess they've got a race where I guess they're going to go around in a circle. It's really cool. Texas is a big state. Why can't you just start from Houston and see the first one who gets the Dallas wins? (laughs) Just a thought.
2: Yeah, that's a good raceway there at Texas Motor Speedway.
0: Actually, they're fast. I mean, you get some speed there. Yeah. You get some speed there. So that... It's interesting. The the races on Fox and FS1 so far for NASCAR have been... I mean, they have a few more viewers for the Coca-Cola 600 than normal. I I think they had a race... In the middle of the week last week, it was on Fox Sports One. Yep. they got fewer viewers than the week than the year before. So. Then you've got Woods, Manning, Mickelson, Brady, and it drew nearly a, I mean, drew millions of viewers. And it also lived up to the hype too. It was because it was fun. But the racing thing which has come back is ratings wise been okay.
2: All the NASCAR races have been very entertaining so far.
0: Oh, they've been entertaining. Yeah, you know, but it's like you know, it's it's I mean it's like watching the Schuylkill Expressway sometimes. Start, stop, start, <laughs> stop. It's like okay, And okay. I can do that. Yeah, stage one. Great. Keep going. <laughs> Come on. Keep moving. They're all coming into the pits. Great. <laughs> Sandwich time.
2: Well, there's all sorts of good strategy involved there with that.
0: What? Restarting the race?
2: About the pits themselves, whether they take two or four tires, all the yeah, adjustments yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta that, make.
0: That, but that's when you're racing, hey? Okay? You're not racing when you're pulling into the pits because stage one is over. Oh, for goodness.
2: Well, you do, what, do you race, race to the are? end, though. You do race to get off of pit road because that's sometimes races are won and lost if you don't if I you don't understand. have a, a good uh, pit stop. I,
0: I understand that, but I'm talking about like the stage stuff. Stage two. Alright, let's all pull in.
2: Well you're not you're not the oh. only one who's doesn't like there's a lot of NASCAR fans that watch like weekly, okay. daily that are not a fan of the new point system Here's in general one. in NASCAR.
0: Okay. If it's going to be the Pocono four hundred, I expect you to get in there and give me four hundred miles. Yeah, I'm sorry, but racing is not meant to have rust areas. I mean, you and the soup both know. You've been on I-80 racing against each other. Oh, that's right. We weren't supposed to mention that. Sorry. feel like I let the cat out of the bag.
2: It makes the drive easier, more fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, more competitive. Neil Kulong, next half hour, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. On News Radio 1070 WKOK.